Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon Podcast. Canadian events for the regular people. finish this discussion it segues into something i'd like to bring up oh trudeau's an ass no we already established that yeah <laughs> but this is just more proof proof but it is, a dis- it, is, it, is, it, it is it is it is it's a it's a military discussion and an, an absolute insanity discussion as well but anyways i just wanted to bring that up for when we finish off this discussion. Yeah, well, why don't we go right into what you're uh, referring to right now there, Todd? It's, that's well, a good segue. Well, well, this is kind of a, fis- a fiscal military thing, is that as of now, the Canadian government has dumped a billion dollars into the Ukraine war. And it depends on your sources, Todd. It's somewhat it's two. Up to two right. billion. It, it depends on what you're talking about, though. But go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Oh God, yeah, it's it's at least a billion. They uh they it's been six hundred twenty six million since February. The latest announcement is they're donating two hundred senator armored cars at ninety million dollars uh, for the Ukraine that are going they're going to be built here in Mississauga, and then they're shipping them. They're shipping them off to the Ukraine. Uh, the NASAM ground ba- ground-based air defense system, four hundred six million. They're 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 footing that bill. The hypocrisy and stupidity of this is a twofold. One, they're sinking it into a war which we have no business being involved in. And the second thing is, is they're sinking this money into this stupid war at the expense of our own military. One, they could be pouring that money into our own decrepit military. Remember Trudeau's famous line, right? They're asking for too much right now. Yeah. Like, you know, just absolutely hypocritical. You know what? There's there's a a, a good write-up, actually, about this whole who's spending what. And uh, the United States comes out top, right? They spend the most in the Ukraine. Uh, But then... uh, uh, it's it's United States, Britain, and then Canada. <laughs> yeah, which is absolutely like France and Britain, Britain's twice as not quite twice as much as uh, Canada, but still we're we're way above France and Japan and Norway, Italy, Sweden. Like we're way above all those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those guys, they're way under a, a billion dollars. We're, we're well, we uh, have. We have three air air transport aircraft uh, running supplies into Poland. Uh, we sent, um, I think it was fifteen or twenty thousand one hundred and fifty five millimeter artillery rounds. Uh, ten, ten of our um, new uh, howitzers which are probably destroyed because Already there's destroyed. a second part to this where we are sinking money into a losing cause. We've got 40 combat engineers and associated support staff in Poland. Uh, we've uh, constructed or we're, we're in the process of giving them 
400,000 pieces of winter clothing. I mean, and I mean, I'm sure there's uh, money somewhere else. But basically, this total comes out to about a billion dollars already. And, you know, with one billion, it's going to come to two before this thing is over. Yeah. But the, 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 there's three things about this. One, we have no business in this war. Two, our military is almost non-existent and badly needed those funds. Would, would have been better spent in our own country. And we know they wouldn't be on the um, angry side of a Russian uh, anti-armor missile. Um, the third thing is, is the Ukraine is losing this war badly, badly. Yeah. It depends on what your sources are though. Well, I don't know, Todd, but I think it's, it's going to lose. I don't know if it's losing badly yet. Yeah. Badly there's is a, relative there's a few sites that you should check out, uh, uh, Jeff in respect and you look at them and I know we're seeing a lot of the the information coming uh, like the drone footages and all the, the strikes on different Russian things. And I, the no TikTok doubt the dancing Russians, videos. Yeah. Uh, no doubt the Russians have lost over a hundred thousand or so troops. Um, but right now there's some other sites that are showing this horrific devastation to the Ukrainian forces and, and major cities are dropping. Like they lost two cities yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe you're you're got me wrong. It's, I do I do not uh, disagree that no no I, Ukraine I, Ukraine is going to lose this war. Oh yeah, because because Putin's going to put his hammer and sickle through it. Yeah, right. He's going to bring that hammer down. He's got. He can't lose. He can't afford to lose it. However, yeah, this is an existential uh, war. And he just switched them. generals up again, uh, just in the last week as well. Yeah, and he's you know he's not going to lose this war. There's no way. Like yeah. he's like. Um, it's it, it's just a matter of are they losing it badly yet? It's like it's just started. Like you know, there's oh. a, they were they were doing okay. They were like it was kind of like yeah, okay, you're you're going to be catch re getting some ground and all this stuff in December or November, but now it's like nah, like everybody everybody else is starting to see it now too. It ain't gonna well, happen. when this thing started and and then the past few years, um, NATO has been building up. The Ukrainian armed forces. I think before the war started, they had like a, a, a total strength of about 600,000. I listen to briefings by Colonel Douglas McGregor on YouTube, as well as I, you know, I don't even look at the stupid uh, TikTok videos showing, you know, tanks getting blown up. Like, who, you don't even know whose tanks are whose. But um, they are maybe down to 150,000 able-bodied troops. Yeah. They have had, like you say, the Russian, the, the, his, in his estimation, the, the casualty ratio now is eight to one. You know how they went on about the, um, the Ukrainian, in the Ukrainian offensive. Uh, before Christmas, where they were recapturing this ground and the, the Russians were retreating and everything like that. It was a strategic withdrawal. They forced the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians were doing well initially in the war because, like they said, they have a, armed forces of 600,000 troops. 
the Russians only invaded with about 80,000 troops. They were trying to do a uh, sort of a limited offensive to, to regain the, um, the separatist republics. And the Ukrainians fought back hard. But they've been worn down. I think the, I think the casualty ratios probably over the course of the war are probably three or four to one in favor of the Russians. And the Russians can afford to lose a lot more people than Ukrainians can. Yeah. They're bled white. Um, they are starting to report actual cases of tuberculosis amongst the Ukrainian troops. Their medical support system is collapsing. They are just absolutely overwhelmed with casualties. Um, they're, they're running around on the streets of the cities in the, uh, the uh, western Ukraine grabbing 16-year-olds off the street and pressing them into the army. They're so desperate. Um, they're expecting that. He's, he's, he's expecting a mutiny. In the ne- and he's, he's comparing a lot of this to uh, the Ukrainian uh, sort of position right now to 1916-1917 Russia, where they were being bled white fighting the Germans and the mutinies just started to get right out of control and they ended up with a revolution. Um, he thinks they're down to about 150,000 troops and they've had a 50% casualty rate. And um, he's predicting once the ground's frozen in southern Ukraine, there's going to be a massive offensive um, from the south where they're going to take away Odessa and all the southern Black Sea ports. And they might even invade from Belarus. And he's predicting the total collapse of Ukraine by the winter's end. Hmm. Um, And so, again... Here we are pledging all this shit. Yeah. That probably 90% of it won't ever even get there before the war is over. That's right. What do you think? Did you guys also see did you guys also see that the World Economic Forum is going on in Davos, Switzerland right now? And every country over there is pledging that we need to give more money, more support for the Ukraine. They've even suggested that they join NATO, even though I believe there's a NATO clause that says that you cannot join us while you're actively engaged in war. Thank um, God for so, that. But you know, but they're, they're they're looking at waiving those those those, those restrictions. the The world economy, uh, the world tires. It's been a long known fact that it's a money laundering country. They're not going to let it go, and it's a proxy war for the states and big military industrial complex. No, even if Ukraine not. falls, yeah. you're going to have these mercenary groups come moving in. These, these these breakaway groups, these radicalized groups, they're going to come in and it's just going to be a proxy war. That's all it is. I think Putin, I, I back Putin, for heaven's sake. I think Russia should go in there. We just let them go and take all the nukes. Well, you bring up a good point um, about the money laundering. The stuff I mentioned, like the armored car company and the uh, ground-based air defense, part of the Companies involved, company involved with that is Raytheon, which they both have plants in Canada. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, same with, same with Elk and, and, as well. And what it'd be interesting to know what their donation is to, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. to the Liberal Party, right? 
Well, you exactly. know what? I'll one of you guys. You take a look at the board of directors on the World Economic Forum. You have our Christina Freeland up there. She's the secretary. Then you have Larry Fink, who, who is the CEO managing partner of the largest company ever in the history of the flat earth of uh, BlackRock. <laughs> oh, is BlackRock it really? right now is in charge of close to $20 trillion right now. And he is the main principal guy on the on the board of directors. He And he has already signed. The interesting thing is last week it came out. BlackRock has already signed a deal that when the Ukrainian war is over, they're the exclusive company to come on in to rebuild Ukraine. Oh, so they yeah, are not going to let it go until it goes right to ground level. Then they're going to come in, boom, rebuild everything. No, that is the overall game plan. You just need to listen to these speeches that are pro- that, that are televised, yeah, on YouTube, on all this, other, but on mainstream media too, on the World Economic Forum. It's all there. The game plan is already written out. And to touch on the subject, to get off subject slightly, to, but to include it. Klaus Schwab has already said the next crisis is going to be um, a blackout. There's going to be cyber terrorism. And that's oh, the next step to this Ukrainian-Russian yep. thing. You see Klaus Schwab and uh, what's the other guy uh, that's uh, part of that world WEF? His fart catcher there, the little Indian guy? No, Klaus Schwab and uh, the guy that's really active in uh, U.S. politics and pain. George Soros. Both of them did not attend this the WEF this time because of illness. No, Klaus Schwab actually did. Did he? He actually did attend. Yeah, he was scheduled not to, but he ended up showing up. Oh, okay. He 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 had to get his head polished. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking slap head dipshit. Yep. Ass white. Craig, are you going to cut that out or put that in? Uh... (laughs) It's all good to me. Yeah. But it, it doesn't get no attention of this. We don't take a look at the board of directors and that they're they're looking for a return on investment of their income. You know, to, to better your point, Todd, exactly. Why are we not having the liberals in this country saying, oh, shoot, we shouldn't be funding this $2 billion. Why don't we throw it into the imaginary company fund to help build green energy then? Since we love Greta Thornburg, the 18-year-old retard. Yeah, I no, really do like Greta. Well. I think she's really hot. She's retarded. <laughs> but and, and what's wrong with? I mean, you did it like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, what's wrong with a retarded eighteen-year-old well, girl? Yeah. 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 She's she's yours. But, oh uh, God. <laughs> but no, no, that was a photo op. She was never arrested. No. Oh, okay. Never arrested. Yeah. Do you know what the thing is that? If if you look at it and you you, you want to be a conspiracy theorist, uh, we're going to jump in there. Uh, I think that Russia and China are in cahoots together. Okay. Oh, I agree. And I, and and what would and uh, you know uh, something that uh, Craig was over there a couple of days ago and he was telling me about uh, how the the Russians have sent all these shitty tanks and and shitty uh, planes and shitty things. And the Ukraine is using like two million dollar rockets to to knock them down, or these these all this really expensive shit. And how it's it's really what it's doing. We're sending our shit over there. We don't have very many tanks. We're sending, or, or we don't have anybody, um, anything. And we're sending stuff over there, and it's depleting us. And and I was reading today 
about how the U.S. is down. Um, they, they have this thing called a javelin missile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anti tank. Yeah. Anti tank missile, and they had they had um, uh, um, they they bought all of them. All of them are like a lot of them in the past little bit. They they've got they had thirty thousand of them, and now they've given away almost half of that. And they have, and they only have um, uh, ten thousand left. And the problem with that is that the, the where they get them from is stopped making them, uh, and they it's going to take them it's going to take them uh, uh, it take them five years to get back where they were just yeah. in sheer production. And then the other thing is the Stinger missiles, and the Stinger Stinger missiles um, they're now. Uh, they, they're actually building them in Taiwan. But, <laughs> but to, Craig's, to Craig's point, but but so the thing is, for me, I'm looking at it going, yeah, you know what? If I was in it with, uh, if I was playing games with everybody else, me and me and China, um, Russia and China are sitting there going, I tell you what, why don't you go into the Ukraine, throw all your old shit at them, let them fight you with old shit too, and then if the, everybody wants to give these guys these these softies, they'll give them all these other weapons, and they can just deplete all these things, and they won't be able to get them back. And we're it's you can, it's obvious. Like you start reading it on mainstream media, like uh, uh, this is obvious, and you think, okay, well, Taiwan is the biggest chip developer in the world, and all these things work on chips. And if China really wants to take Taiwan over, they're going to have to really push through and. You know what? Maybe they just deplete America enough, and maybe that's enough. You know, to slow it down. Yeah, and I think I think grow, that, but, yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, concept because I think on the one hand, Paul's talking about the WEF. I think the WEF is really just a a gay club of a globalist that they're really wanting to um, destroy the nationalism in Russia and China. China is communist, but China is also nationalist. Most of the people, absolutely, absolutely, and and, and they um, need to destroy the the concept of nationality in order to bring in globalism. And I think well, you know what I I think the look at that. I think you look at the World Economic Forum. I think the backers of the World Economic Forum are the globalists, but also too, I think it's also you've got your Chinas. China is the biggest social experiment that we've ever done. We put in CCT uh, cameras. They're tracking their bio-digital chipping, everybody. Um, I think that China is the World Economic Forum and globalist playground. This is where they do it. Their people don't question anything. They don't protest or we just run them over with oh, tanks. Oh, I think they're protesting. There's a really – I read uh... – No, we just got finished putting 2 million uh, Uyghurs in, in concentration camps. So I don't oh, think they yeah. protest a whole lot. No, but they backed down on a lot of the COVID stuff recently because there was a lot of protests. But you bring up an interesting. Do you think that's really why they backed down because of the protests? I think there's a lot of strikes and strife in China right now. Can I let me just get to something here? I read Ray Dalio's book about the coming change in the world order, where he predict predicted the ascendancy of China. I'm now reading a book by Peter Zeehan, who's um, a geography demographic specialist. And his book, he's predicting the downfall of China for just one simple reason, is that the replacement birth rate is 
per thousand, right? China currently in 2020 was 1.28. He said they are sliding off a demographic cliff faster than everybody else. And he predicts the downfall of China in 10 years. What was ours, Doug? What was Canada? Well, I read in Marvel Comics. uh, I was reading. um, Just kidding. (laughs) We're dying as a race, too. We're dying. The only reason we're staying afloat is immigration. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But China has to do one thing. They have to lift the one-child policy, and then they got four billion people the next next week. No, I don't think so. There's a there's an, a definite culture change there, um, because of the economy isn't you know we you know they say it's booming and everything. Well, I think the economic miracle of China is really only applied to what do they say about two hundred million of the total population. A lot of this, a lot of these remaining population still lives at a sustenance level, and um, they've had the one-child policy for almost two generations now, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And, it's gone. It's gone now. Yeah, it's gone. But what I'm saying is, is it's not gonna. People aren't gonna just jump into, um, uh, you know, cranking out kids again. Because, you know, they've gone from uh, an agrarian agricultural society to an industrial society where, you know, it doesn't, you don't need as many kids, right? You, you mean, can, the thing is, Todd, you, you think about it. When we were kids, did you ever, ever hear a woman say, I don't want to have kids? Like, did anybody oh, hear that when we were kids? And now a word from our sponsors. Have you ever found that you can't remove your blackface makeup? Well, we have a product for you, especially for you up-and-coming politicians. It called Mr. Socks just in time. Blackface remover. Used by dictators and the feeble-minded. Buy Mr. Socks just in time. Blackface remover. Only $2 billion for your finance minister. And we're back. Yeah. That was, uh, we're, we're getting into some really good, uh, chatting here so far hang on but i this i've read it's funny though the last two books i've read are almost diametrically opposed in outcomes and the only like um jeff said the only thing that's keeping us afloat is immigration and because our birth rate is only about 1.4 plus not too many people really want to emigrate to china <laughs> maybe some north koreans that's about it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the only people. And they, they go uh, into China and treat it like uh, slaves, aren't they? Pretty much. Yeah. They have to deworm them. Yeah. But I'm tending to lean towards more Peter Zeehan's idea because China has these visions of, you know, you know building the huge navy. But in 10 years... Who's gonna Who's gonna man the ships? Yeah, that makes sense. But he does one thing. I wonder about is, um, I mean, okay, yeah. So they're going off a demographic cliff, but they're what at one point six billion. So what if they go down to six hundred million? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, it's actually funny you mentioned because I was looking at those same stats today. On, uh, oh, were you? Yeah, on uh, the demographics and showing the 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 huge decrease in the population from the from the the Chinese population, and I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. So, so Paul just uh, has bowed out. He's uh, he has a couple of things he's got to get going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, this is pretty pretty cool so far. Jeff hasn't reignited here. I I don't know what's going on there, but uh, he's a little slow on uptake though. Sometimes. Yes, he is kind of slow. Must have hit his head. Yeah. And this thing says recognized hand gestures. What is this? I'm, I'm trying. To, oh, there he is. There he is. Probably. You know what? Thing is that you send me. Um, Send it to me on Messenger, and yep. I don't have Messenger on my my iPad. Oh, okay. Yet. I'm sorry. So I have to copy and paste it, and then send it. I sent it to Teresa. Oh, okay. Have, I have uh, the other one. But yeah. Anyway, well, what's easier? He, the, that, yeah. he, he doesn't have Messenger. He's got Grinder. Grinder. <laughs> yeah. What's your point? <laughs> and your point is. Yeah. So basically, what we could, what would we call this one? Uh, the title of this one, we're all fucked. <laughs> the the what? We're fucked. Yeah, pretty much. We are all fucked. We yeah. are all fucked. Yeah. Chris got paranoid the other day. He's talking about depleting. They thought that's such a brilliant idea. Why not get like? Because we're all kind of a big happy family, depleting everything, giving it to our neighbor who's gonna lose. Yep. And then gonna then leave it hanging dry. Yeah, well, like you said about the old equipment, the T90s are starting to show up. Yeah, T90s, uh, yep, are showing up in our, and so is the. Those are the new tanks, are they? No, those aren't even new tanks. They're, uh, there's another one. Yeah, the new tanks, the Armada. The Marta is the one, those things start showing up. They're direct uh, competition against the M1 Abrams. Yeah. And uh, the Leopards. Yeah, it's well, we actually apparently right. What's that? We have leopards apparently. Yeah, we yeah. have. Uh, yeah, we got twelve functional leopards right now. We have, and we have the but, leopard and... one. There's already the leopard three. No, no, we got we got leopard twos. Oh, do we? Yeah, we With have leopard one... ones as well. But uh, the 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 operational ones are leopard twos that are came back from Afghanistan, and uh, there's six of them in Wainwright and six of them in Gagetown. Oh my God! Well, I just, I just think that the, uh, the idea, like Canada's always been under, under militarized anyway, right? Like, it doesn't have enough. It's never for a long time. It hasn't had the World War Two has been it, okay. It was number three. Yeah, but, yeah but, okay, but it's, it's World War Two is okay because it was not here, and it wasn't. The, you don't have the capabilities of. I guess later you got capabilities of shooting a nuclear weapon or something, but. I guess. No, not really. We did. We had nuclear tip missiles. Yeah, we had nuclear air to air missiles. Yeah, bomb marks. Yeah, uh, attached to all the bomb marks were a ground to air missile. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the the voodoos, F 101 voodoos, voodoos carried nuclear uh, aircraft, uh, air to air missiles. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, my dad was just telling you that. that's a, that's old school though. Like I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah, sixty. Now, now they can now they can fly in people. They can take big boats and take a lot of, you know, we're 
if they want to, if any any decent sized country wanted to, they not decent, but I'd say uh, if China wanted to or Russia wanted to, they could invade us. Easy. Easy. You know what? Like they would be they would be faced with a massive insurgency, though, and they yeah. would they, they like would they? the ground that they would have to cover. They would need millions of troops. Yeah, they need millions of troops. And the thing is, it's it's kind of a fallacy that that anything other than the Americans would stop it at the border. They wouldn't stop it anywhere else. Yeah. They just sit there and go, okay, you know what? You're not going past that. You're not going to pass the Rainbow Bridge. No, they they Fuck use you. Canada as a battleground. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they, they would see we'd that be, as a battleground. We we, we we would be a Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The thing is, we've got all this. We've got all these natural resources. So, just think about it. People are going to be, you know, they're like, it's, it's, I don't know about my lifetime or our lifetimes, but man. We got all these resources we got no one to protect ourselves if this was even a hundred years ago some fucker would come in here and take us out yeah like i don't know like, country lasts forever what's that no country lasts forever well i guess switzerland might australia might yeah because it's so isolated yeah. I don't know. I think I think I think Australia's extremely vulnerable. Well, because of the deal with the Philippines and China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So so my nurse is from the Philippines and he's like he just he says it's going really bad, like bad direction right now. And there's a, there was a deal, an oil deal struck between China and and Philippines. And yeah, this, this is not a good thing because. If you think about, you know, uh, Japan, Japan, uh, Taiwan, and the Philippines are basically the, the Pacific Shield. Yeah. And then it goes down, and then they cross to Australia. But if the Philippines all of a sudden says, well, you know what, eh, we're going to side with China. Oops. Then, oops, Australia's cut off. And Australia's military is not much more on, but a little bit better on par than uh, Canada's right now. Like, it's not much that, that great. You know what I mean? Well, they got the same problem. They don't have the, they don't have that many people and they've got a yeah. big fuck off area to deal with. Yeah. And they, the, the support for them with other countries like the United States is a long way away. And it's not the best as it could be anymore or Britain. Yeah. No. No, because they're, they're basically they're, they they're gonna get cut off. I, I, it would probably be pretty scary there. I'm afraid that um, if the United States does end up getting into this war, I think they might like you know. There's always this visualization of oh yeah, the United States gets in the war and then you know they have all they only have like about thirty thousand troops in Europe. Um, the US? Yeah, and um. The Navy is extremely vulnerable. Like, <laughs> what did uh, Douglas McGregor refers to the American Navy just uh, not as ships, but as targets? <laughs> because, I mean, really, like the technology to develop a missile, how many, you, you fire 100 missiles at an aircraft carrier, is it going to shoot them all down? All it takes is one. Yep. Yeah, they're pretty thick, I think, those things. And if they lose their 
aviation screening, the rest of the ships are done. Pretty much. Yeah. The only things that the only things that have some element of survivability, and that's even limited, is submarines. Yeah. Well, you know what? Okay, so you know we can we can sit there and heckle at our our spiritless leaders' decisions on firepower and whatever. What would you do if you were if you were all of a sudden the grand poopa? Would I? I would develop. Right, what would you guys do? I would develop a um, an armed forces based on defense, sovereignty patrols, and a lot of coastal patrol vessels. Smaller vessels, more of them, um, allowing a part-time uh, Navy where guys could just go out on a one-month cruise and then go back to their job or whatever like that. So, yeah. so that we could maintain our sovereignty. And then I would build a very, very large reserve force like Sweden, where every local little town would have its section of men or even a platoon or company size, where they would have the armaments and the training for... Um, Guerrilla attack. Yep. Insurgency. Yeah. You know, RPGs, mortars, um, some anti-aircraft missiles, just to absolutely make it a living hell for anybody that invaded the country. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of. Uh, you you would talk about um, water, like ships, right? Mm -hmm. Submarines. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if I don't know that there's like submarines are expensive. Expensive to run, expensive to get, and and I think you know you could spend a lot of money on a on a few submarines, or you could buy a lot of smaller little fast nasty boats. Yeah, like like I read, the Iranian Navy can raise hell in the Strait of Hormuz with its tiny little patrol boats. Yeah, they're little brown brown water navies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a brilliant idea for us to have to have a navy that's like basically coast guard cutters with with guns. And missiles, and missiles. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. A weaponized, weaponized mm -hmm. coast guard that basically they do the same thing, except for they, you know, when they're rescuing people, they just cover the guns up, or the, the air to ground to, or the water to to air missiles. I mean, yeah. that's what we should. That's a that's a that's a good idea. I like Craig's idea too. Where you, do we need the fancy fighters? You know, have something that's a little bit more, um, really around taking out ground troops. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and that's not the, dog fighting because we're not going to win. Yeah, you guys should listen to Douglas MacArthur on YouTube because he does talk about this, and he says the problem with generals, he says, is they like the toys. Yeah, like what we're proposing isn't very sexy, is it? No, you know, old no. old A tens and uh, old uh, tech or or airframe designs from the uh, the seventies, right? Uh, which mm -hmm. which are still valued and and true to form now. Just like, um, you know, like I, in my research on militaries of, um, of Southern uh, hemisphere of Af Africa uh, for that book I, I told you I was involved mm -hmm. with, I, I noticed that um, a lot of the frontline equipment that some of the countries have is pretty good. They like, for example, South Africa is using the Swedish latest Swedish fighter that's available. The the um, it's the Griffin, the Griffin, yeah. And 
and to, their secondary uh, fighters are all mirages, mirages, wow. mirage twos. None of your mirage ones, like mirage mm -hmm. twos, which were, which were uh, basically equivalent to what our F 18s are right now. Mm -hmm. cool. So uh, the the mirage two was equivalent to the also the F sixteen, uh, very similar. Uh -huh. Well, so, the thing is, you know, the the like the F thirty fives just cost so much money that yeah. you can't afford it. Yeah, what man, oh, like one missile, one bird strike, uh, cold weather environment. Like, what they, you know, what are the what are the um, percent availability of these craft like how yep. many hours flight how many hours of maintenance right? yeah and like they don't call it warm lake alberta well in actual fact what i was reading here too about the f-35 is that it's it's high maintenance because it's so mm -hmm. fucking techie super mm -hmm. high yeah. maintenance yeah yeah it's funny it's called the f-35 lightning and it's actually very vulnerable to lightning because of its composite skin yeah yeah, it's not, it doesn't, that. you know what, it, what it is, is it seems as though it's better at being undetected. Yeah. It's better at, uh, it's not, it's not that much, and it's not even as fast as some of the other planes. No, they've kind of, they've kind of got to the point where it's the um, ability for stealth um, countermeasures and missile technology has become more important than speed. Hmm. Well, and also the maneuverability. I guess these guys, you, you know, Craig was making fun of it, but the, the Top Gun movie, where they're looking at like they, uh, Maverick and Yusuf's kid. I can't remember what they're watching. One of those fifth generation fighters, and it mm -hmm. does this. But this does this. It's like flying along. All of a sudden, it goes like it just does something completely. Like they're going, "Holy crap! I've never seen that done before." And it's because of the way that they have all the, the exhaust, they can move around all this thing. They can do these yeah, like exhaust nozzles. Yeah, I, I saw one a video of one doing a low speed loop. Like almost hovering while it did an inverted loop. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the thing is, that's too expensive, but you know what? I, I think uh, everybody's scared of a, um, uh, an attack helicopter. Like you want to protect your ground troops. Attack helicopters are pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah, for sure. The only problem is helicopters, even uh, armored helicopters like the, the Apache and and of, of that class of helicopter, all it takes is is uh, a couple of metal fragments in the transmission, and it becomes a uh, comes a lead weight, right? Yeah, yeah, and it um, they're they're they were designed initially for stand to yeah of uh, massive um, Russian tank forces going through germany yeah like the um the apaches came out and the idea was is they were just going to hover underneath the tree line pop up shoot at the uh, armor and then piss off yeah um and then they they've only really been battle tested in insurgencies right yeah well and and gulf war too yeah they, for they really three, uh, for three days yeah for three days <laughs> they really got a, a high tank kill on the uh, oh right. god yeah 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 because they had air cover right yeah just those good old hellfires just uh, swinging down yeah, yeah. yeah. so sorry i'm well, just I mean, plugging in my phone we don't have any apparently canada doesn't have any 
Yeah, we, we do. We have uh, Griffins, don't we? Griffin helicopters, which are just have mini guns on the side doors. That's it. Oh, really? They don't have any missile technology? No. Oh, God. So it's just an anti-insurgency shit. Yeah, they just have a helicopter that can carry troops and give them ground the fire support from the door gunners. That's all. Yeah. But, well, sort of like, I, so like the Huey in, in Vietnam in 1970. Yeah, the Griffin is 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 a Huey 412, which is a four-blade uh, uh, helicopter, which is basically uh, the grandson of the Huey 212, right? Of mm-hmm. the Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. The airframe is almost identical. Hmm. Well, you have this, I'm looking it up. CH-146 Griffins. We have 85 of them. Yeah. Which, you know what? That That's... That's reasonable. Yeah. So Their National one. Guard in Niagara Falls, New York has more. <laughs> yeah. What do they have? Something like... I don't know if they've got like 300 or 500 A-10s or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, like... Well, the there's a there one squadron out of in or one air base out of um, outside of Myrtle Beach there, that's uh, Air Reserve, and they they have like 250 A10s. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, you in Japan, right? If you look at Japan, uh, Japan has over 450 F-15 Strike Eagles. As modern as possible aircraft that you can get in, in the F-15s. And, and when do they get those? Or where do they get those? United States, right? United States. You, yeah. you got it. The United States and, is very much willing to put all its muscle behind Japan yep. to shield it from the war that could go to America. Yep. The and the other, thing, the other thing is that the Japanese were asking for the F-22. And the U.S. State Department turned them down. And... Japan came back said, well, you know that 60% of the F-22s are already being built here. Yeah, the components? Yeah. So the, the, the Japanese created their own F-22, which outperforms the, the, the U.S. F-22. Really? Yeah. How did they I, do that? I think our only hope, really, I think it's too late for all this, like, and then we just have so much stuff. I think our only hope He's actually just open it up and say, guys, we're going to join America. Yeah. Actually, you know what? There was uh, someone actually, I didn't read the article, but it, I glanced by it. It's the um, North American Union. I think it's, to be honest, I think it's our destiny. I, I think it has to be. I think it has to be because otherwise it's just not going to work. Like all of a yeah. sudden, if you had... If you had free movement between North America and Canada, or I mean, within North America, uh, it would be like a much easier place to defend, to, yeah. to thrive. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. The, the problem is you'd have to get the Americans in on it, but but considering how many natural resources we have, I think that's probably pretty easy. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, for uh, listening to the Canadian Beacon uh, podcast. Uh, you've had uh, Paul... Uh, Jeff, Todd, and myself, Craig, and uh, we had a great discussion. And uh, for once, it wasn't all about COVID, but it was uh, very fascinating in, in general. And thanks for tuning in. Cheers. <laughs>